very insecure, tries to form a settled self, and it resists anything coming in from the outside, but it loses. All ego defense mechanisms are doomed to failure. You would think because we are so brilliant we would then force, therefore stop it. If we know the defense mechanism is doomed to failure, the most sensible thing to do is just stop doing that. But we don't. Or we just trade in the old one for a new one. We use the defense mechanism for a while. We find it doesn't work. We go to the store and we get a new one. And this goes on and on and on. This is called Zen practice. Working to overcome our egotistical self-centeredness. They were saying this can be done in one lifetime. That's tantric. Tantric is the express of Buddhism. It requires a real serious commitment. Half-hearted. All of our struggling, all of our strife, all of our difficulties come from one place. That's a belief in a fixed and permanent self that is functioning from the absolute. I'm here, it's there, there's no connection. There's the source of your pain and ir All our suffering and strife and difficulty comes from the belief, what? Told you. Where the hell are you been? You forgot that mumbling woman. That's why I said you forgot to say something. <laughs> you left out the word separate, so it was confusing. So shoot me, kill me, beat me. I have a right to make mistakes. Mother said so. All suffering and strife come from a belief in a fixed and permanent self that functions separate from the absolute. Oh, we got that down pat. One of the sources of that condition that we hold on to reference points. Even suffering becomes a reference point. I must exist, says ego. Look, I'm suffering. Because I'm suffering, because I have that reference point, therefore I am. One of the most things produce suffering, therefore I exist. Very common activity. Well, the Buddha talked about no reference point. Because that can then become a reference point. Your reference point becomes no reference point. Trying to not exist. Ego gets trapped in itself. Activity of trying to non-exist. Hmm. That perpetuates itself. Can you follow that? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Ego. Were we born, were we born with the well, either way, it doesn't matter. We got it. Okay. Most people would say it's. Either way, whether we got it this lifetime or we brought it from past lifetime, we got it. Hmm? That's the problem. Perfectly all right to fight these teachings. Hmm? Some people think they're getting away with something. <laughs> Personal experience. Yes? Teachings don't care. Like them or don't like them, whether you fight them or don't fight them. The teachings don't care. They don't get involved in the argument. <laughs> The teachings don't say, oh, bad you, you're fighting these teachings. Fight all you want. It's a losing battle. That's sufficient to get us to stop fighting? Of course not. Because we're pig-headed and stubborn. And that comes from fear.
I let go of this sense of self, of who I am, what will I become? I'll be the hole in the donut. Talking about zero. What's really happening is sentient beings are basically all Buddhas. That's the true nature. Somehow, we developed an ego, lifetime or past lifetime. And we've become intrigued by it. Or ego has become intrigued by itself. We're now getting back to this problem of original sin, where did it all begin? We'll get nowhere pursuing that. They don't believe in the concept of sin. They believe the problem was this basic origin of a wave. Right? Here's the wave, connected to, totally involved with the ocean. At some point, it dies. What's going up? And of course, it reaches its pinnacle. What happens at that point is, although it's not separated, it develops an illusion of separation. We'll know what happens to a wave. Boom. Crashes back in. There's our mind. Thought arises, goes up, begins to think of itself separate, and then crashes. This is the issue within death. We're always experiencing it. Each breath. There's the birth of the breath and the death of the breath. Constantly experience that within the illusion of separation. They're always encouraging us to bring that into a state of yadi. Samadhi, there is none of that nonsense. That's what that was talking about. Nonsense is out of order. In that chaos, with that nonsense, wisdom is at work. Wisdom is inescapable. I don't like wisdom absolute. Take anything and use it to fight against the activity of the absolute, but we're doomed. I am fighting against this, therefore I have a fixed and permanent self that's separate from it. Oddly enough, the fight against that brings you closer to it. I'm ignoring the stick, I have no connection to it. The minute I start saying there's no friggin' stick, I get more involved with it. All that stupid Buddhist stuff. Well, at some point, it's going to collapse. A magnificent take you just so far. There's going to be many times when you come into Sanzen and you'll present something and I'll say, you're on your own, kid. There's no Buddhist answer. you got to find out through your own hard work. Hmm? That sucks. Develop a relationship with the teacher and he's supposed to carry me across <laughs> to the never-never land. And instead he tells me, you're on your own. Hmm? All that's doing is preparing you for the point where You've taken it so far, Mahamudra, that it all falls apart. Now you're on your own. Now, intriguingly enough, they use the analogy of the drop of water that falls into the ocean. That's sort of scary. Here I am, here I am, here I am, here I ain't. What happens at that point? That which is ego dissolves. And all you're left with is the function of the absolute. That's all that manifests at that point. And that are no longer separate. Separation comes through a belief in an ego or a separate self. At that point, this duality falls apart and there's unification. What is that? What is that? That's why we bow so much. It's not, we don't bow like this. <laughs> like this. Well, I do at home. Yes, I know. 
At that point, when the teaching when the teaching collapses, does the mind also collapse? Of course. So, what it what? Well, the part of you that's going ah, 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 that's the <laughs> ego because it can't comprehend that. Ego can't comprehend itself as that drop of water that falls into the ocean because it can't comprehend itself because it ain't. <laughs> the completion stage of Mahamudra. Mahamudra means perfect position. Maha means great, mudra is a position. Yes. Find yourself in the perfect position. An ego. Fine, no self, none of that stuff. Mahamudra. Practitioner finally brings together the experience of the clear light of bliss by the practice of emptiness or non-duality. Or she remains in a quality of pure non-dual presence without involvement in appearances that cause the mind to discriminate form and hold it to an inherently existence, inherent existence. Saying is form tendency is to create a fixed and permanent self that is separate. You don't have to be too bright to see this one. Everything's impermanent. Mm -hmm. They have that building right down there <laughs> called fuel parlor because everything's impermanent. This table is impermanent. It looks like it's fixed, but in two weeks, two years, or two centuries, it's going to be gone. So will you in the form you're in now. We have that koan that says, what's your original face before your parents were born? What were you doing before you were born? Where were you? What were you doing? Cohen is asking you experience that. But it's a dual koan in that it'll also stir up stuff from this lifetime. And maybe two things happen with that koan. One is it's very with the subconscious dredging up the stuff we have stuck down in the basement. The other one is transcendence, which I don't really like that word. The experiencing the absolute. But is that reading saying that I experienced Mahamudra when I... One way of looking at it. Practice doesn't. You do. You recognize his book. Yeah. I haven't seen the man. This is self-arising. Happen with practice or without. Is it ever present? present? Here's a problem. That's not the problem I wanted to talk about. There's confusion about two things. One is they say there's the white light experience, clear light experience. Some schools say they're synonymous some schools say they're different. After, this is where I can't help you. You find out for yourself, are they synonymous? Mm -hmm. In many of the 12-step programs, people talk about the founder um, and a white light experience. Tendency with some of the, t particularly Tibetan, is to infer that there's another experience called the clear light. My experience is they're synonymous. Meditator, experience taste of Dharmakaya. Dharmakaya, right? The most small thing that can ever get as small it can get, that is at the same time totally expansive and has no outer edges. That which is, is as small as it can possibly get. You can also see it the other way. It gets so small that it collapses 
and expands out into the absolute with no outer edges. How about that? It has no outer edges. Well, that's what we're sitting smack dab in the middle of. Paying attention to the practice, you'll see that it has contraction and expansion. It's like that peristalsis in our bites, right? The food is going through us in a process called peristalsis. The inner workings are contracting and expanding. Right? It comes in food, goes out shit. How does that happen? It moves through into non-duality, like a clay. Often the word samadhi is used as the blue sky of samadhi. And that day when you see that the sky is completely idea of how the mind becomes in that state. A drop of water dissolving into the ocean. Once this experience arises, Buddhahood, it is said, a little qualifier, possible within this lifetime, and practitioners with this quality of awareness can, within their present bodies, complete final stages of unification. That should be encouraging. But again, that's tantric. It's crazy wisdom. You have to let it all go and throw yourself in totally, completely, and no holding back. Let's do that. <laughs> I want to hide. I want to get into my cocoon. I want to get into my comfort zone, my safety place. But all that stuff doesn't bother me. I think it's very unfair that I was declared a living Buddha by a living Buddha. And I still got a flat tire. Where's the justice? This is unfair. I deserve an exemption. I deserve diplomatic immunity. No. No. What does that state of non-duality give us? Hmm? I think what he's teaching is valid, the Buddha. He would never have died. He would go on forever and ever and ever. Anything born has to die. Any thought that arises is going to collapse. Any medical problem you have, one way or another, is going to go away. Experience this in sitting. You're sitting there and you're grinding and you're growling and you're hurting and it's painful. And boom, you don't do anything. It just falls off. How come? How does that happen? It's so intense, particularly on a session, right? Session's... What we just did for two hours, you do for seven days, from three o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock or ten o'clock at night. By the third day, anything you got hurts. Your earlobes hurt. Your eyelashes hurt. Your fingernails hurt. And at that point, you either let go and give in, or you spend the next day, four days in torture. Or you, delay. <laughs> or you leave, right? You pack your bag, say, adios amigo, I've had it. Yes. Now you let go and you're in that state of non-duality. You still have to get up when the bell rings and walk to the dining hall. You still have to eat your meals. You have to go to the bathroom. All of that stuff continues. That you levitate and you're above it all. But you're more totally in that fight, that state of duality. Ends, and it releases a tremendous amount of energy. At point, things change. Psychological circles, they talk about altered consciousness. They talk about as that's something special. It's wrong. 
The problem is we are already in an altered state, and we have to go back to a non-altered state. That's what this, this is the altered state, an altered state, that's called samadhi. The whole thing is about unification. <laughs> before, before I was born. <laughs> but just realizing that is not in itself the heart of compare beyond that, too. I, I felt somewhat like Donald felt. I could not putting the perfectionist to Buddha. It seems that I have these powers, so to speak, these insight powers, and still not be manifesting the heart of compare. Absolutely. I mean, it's Absolutely. almost as having a toolbox, and you could but have using it to make a messy... You do not know a single thing about... Zen Buddhism or Buddhism still have a heart of compassion. Know everything about Buddhism, be a great scholar, and still not have a heart of compassion. They have what's called manufactured compassion. That's a bodhisattva is very good at manufacturing compassion. Buddha manufactures doesn't manufacture compassion. You're a Buddha, but you're just a baby of some maturity. And that's nice that you're manufacturing compassion. It's better than you're manufacturing cruelty got ego involved. There's still some duality at work. Now, he just brought up a good issue. All those splits, all those discussions can get the actionist very, very involved. It seems to make sense from an ego point of view. From a point of view, I want to achieve perfection. But it's ego that wants to achieve it. Action arises when we drop our attempts to achieve perfection. Attempt to achieve perfection is the obstacle. There's a lot of that in the way this practice is put together. Every cushion in the right place, chanting just right, bowing just right. Holy shit. Follow it. It kind of makes it miss that thing again. I don't want to have anything to do with that stick, and my work of getting away from that stick brings me closer to it. So I'll safe. Best thing to do with a Zen lecture Come and take a cold shower. Excuse me? already forgot. Hey, listen. Um, the white light, the clear light, and all the other stuff. Light posts. It's that the, when Madra, Mahamudra occurs, there's no self present. It's well, there's still some duality with Mahamudra. Echo of duality. Now, the perfectionist is... You know, Mahamudra is the perfect position. Ego can grab that and say, see, I got the perfect. Gotta throw it all away. What we're really doing right now is reading the menu about not really experiencing Mahamudra. Should be there. They need what? Finger pointing at the moon isn't the moon. Captain thinking that that's it. What do you call it when you're... Well, well, it's an opportunity also. That's not quite a good well, opportunity. Well, precisely, precisely. I mean, the, the mistake I find myself making more often than not is to say, oh, I understand everything. They're completely <coughs> from your break, Anthony. <laughs> I'm actually saying that most likely I'm on the wrong because this kind of stuff cannot be grabbed like that. Well, so I have an opportunity to discard my so-called confident knowledge experiencing it instead. Fusion means it's fused together. Confusion means it's no longer, there's no longer that fixed and permanent self. The confusion is coming apart or coming about because something is disintegrated. What wants to disintegrate, disintegrate. So, See, to true enlightenment, we have to have a stranger in a strange land. Mm. Entering into areas we're not familiar with, no reference point. Uh -huh. Plays a macho game there. For everything. Mm -hmm. Opportunity, which I thought, uh, uh, you know, living. Being a Buddha, he would use it properly. 
See, there's where... <laughs> the opportunity to change the tire. Yes. Here's where there's, again, this uncertainty. Too often, my opinion, know that the answers lie inside, implying that there's none outside. Outside, they're inside, they're upside down, they're all over the place. It's what you do with what you encounter that makes the difference. Everything is there for our enlightenment, and he says so. so. Everything is there for our enlightenment. It's what we do with it. That's the issue. How do we adopt the practice and, and the teachings? Well, you use it till you get to that Mahamudra place and you drop it. And that's... So there is a certain... Using it seems good, yeah. ...of detachment. That's my statement, we can trust you. I try to avoid attachment. I'm already attached to avoiding attachment. The point I'm making is... There are people who are in a program called AA. Yeah, because they got attached to alcohol. The alcohol was wonderful because it brought them to AA, where new things opened up that they had no comprehension of. So samsara can be the source of our enlightenment. I will do the twist that is they oh, there's another attachment. You don't have to avoid that, but there it is again. Yes. No reference point gets corrupted because no reference point becomes a reference point. You follow? Reference point, yeah. I have something that I didn't have. Essentially, all reference points have to... I would imply there's still a self that has a reference point. Self. Well, she's had three weeks. She should be there. <laughs> when you say reference point, you're, you're meaning a stuck clinging to an idea. Clinging to an idea of a self that's fixed and permanent. I don't recognize Peggy holding... Okay. Let's put out what you put out in something. Oh. What I asked, what I was becoming aware of, I asked, is there a distinction between Donald nature and Buddha nature? No. But there is distinction between Rick nature and Donald nature, even though they are both Buddha nature. What I was looking at is waves acknowledging each other as being two waves, even though they're part of the same ocean. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. I was trying to understand more intellectually than anything else. The differentiation, reduction, and separation. Woo! That again. <laughs> the differ differentiation between distinction and separation. I wasn't trying to separate right there. I. If there is a fail, there's a fail right there, and I didn't. Right now, we're in the process of bringing end to separation. Separate from that watermelon. watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And differentiation within non-separation. That one, definitely. I'm used to my illusion, talking about these states of mind, we're talking about real things. Mm -hmm. If I go to the bank and tell them I'm a millionaire, and as for the dollars I have there, but I don't have it, I'm not going to get it. And that's what I'm saying, because I perceive that table as an idea of a table, that's what it is, but it's not. separate from the reality of the table in mind, because of what I'm doing with these illusions. All right. If it's not a table, then what is it? <laughs> but it is a table. Well, that's why we have that. <laughs> that's why we have the coin, if you call this a stick, I'll hit you. If you don't call it a stick, I'll hit you. Speak. What are you going to call it? I know. 45 years living in the Esposito household, I made that 
I'm a moron. Just down and shut up. <laughs> you see, what we just did is vitally important from a Zen point of view. A table, what are you going to call it? That's very important, that, that moment, that instant. Most of us just shut down and go, eh. That's when crazy wisdom is supposed to manifest. Let it manifest. Not a table, what is it? Four bowls of pasta. Huh? I was doing wasn't meant to be a joke. Me, I'm a mess inside my mind. My mind is Most minds are a mess. I was sitting. That table's a mess inside my mind. Why can't it be a table and also not a table? Yes, but that doesn't take it far enough. We don't enter into crazy. That's, you're in the vestibule. Well, in, you're in the lobby. Well, you know, that's where I stand. Oh, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say It's a table, and it's also wood, and, and oh, air, and It's still water. a form. Bowls of pasta. What? <laughs> what? What? What did I mean? Well, there you go, you're on your own. That's mm. something you have to experience of your own accord. Monk comes in to the master and says, what is this Buddha nature you're talking about? And he says, oak tree in the garden. Yeah. That's the first thing the teacher saw when the monk asked that question. The monk right. says, what is this Buddha nature? Oak tree in the garden. What isn't Buddha nature is the question. What isn't Buddha nature? Well, now, now we got a problem. Hitler's Buddha nature, function of the absolute. On a divide, good Buddha nature, bad Buddha nature. And then we're in trouble. When colonel called the um, young husband to Tibet, he threatens her into theology, demon worship, because, have, well, like this one, look at this picture, look like demons, but they are as wrathful deities. They're the deities that help us by coming along and give us a smack in the head when we're off course. We don't listen to the small voice. Big voice is going to come along and make us pay attention. Don't listen to the pain in your side. Eventually, attention, you go to the doctor and find you. I, mean, I won't kill him. We just don't have a concept of original sin. What do we do with the idea of sin? Well, it's S I N. Something isn't natural. It isn't so much a moralistic issue. Not that we're immoral. Not original sin, but original ignorance. Ignorance is the problem. Sin activates the perfectionist. Bad, I gotta become good. Feeling of sin, then? Nature. Right. So we're not doing anything wrong. Well, that's what we're dealing with right now. That's you know, at this point, with. the pre-Sakis description is not novel approach to something that I'm using. Yeah, the who shoots somebody and you kill them, you don't understand. Somebody shoots you and you think you're dead, you don't understand. Look at that. If you think you're dead, look at that. Implies something still existing. If you think, I'm dead. Huh? I goes in to see the teacher and says, I don't have a thought in my head. And the teacher smacks him. Why did he do that? I'm dead. Very subtle, very tricky, this stuff. You got to pay attention. Are you paying attention? All know the sound of two hands clapping, one hand clapping. What is that sound? Paying attention. What yes. is that sound? That's for sale. It's not full enough. <laughs> huh? It's not for sale. I bought it.
And we build a cell. But it's not full enough. It's the same one. You call it a stick, I'll hit you. You call it a table. It's getting out into the realm of crazy wisdom or unconventional wisdom. <laughs> Delayed spontaneity. Delayed spontaneity. Very well. What in spontaneity? I'm afraid now. Why won't I do that? Why won't I acknowledge Well, that? if you acknowledge it, then you're going to poke a hole in it. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging what you're doing is the beginning step of poking a hole in it. Yes. Philosophy. Yes. 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 Uh, yes. Transcendent yes. ideas yes. of fullness. And yes. Bones are important. Also, what's going on in your life is important. Applied in koan practice. I don't want to come in and hear that you had trouble with the washing machine. I don't care. <laughs> you're having trouble with your marriage, or you're having trouble with the job. I'm very interested. How with the koan for today? Hide in Cohen's, not reveal who you really are and what's really going on in your life. Well, that's the trouble with our eyes. They, well, you don't have to be some super psychic to deal with this shit. Body is always telling the truth. Body language is true. Body never gives off false signals. The eyes. If the person can't look you in the eye, something's going on. Action they look off and also says something. Other way of saying that is, well, could you shut up so I can go eat? That's another possibility. That's a possibility. <laughs> Part two. Happy birthday.